The following Dharma talk was given for the Insight Meditation Community of Charlottesville, Virginia. Please visit our website at imeditation.org. So, <clears throat> good evening again. Um, my topic for tonight is regret. Um, and I don't have any. I assume you don't either. Um, but you might ask, what does this have to do with the Dharma? Well, actually, quite a lot as I begin to dig into this a little bit. Let me define it first off as it's currently defined by uh, academic psychology. Regret is a negative cognitive emotional state that involves blaming ourselves for a bad outcome, feeling a sense of loss or sorrow at what might have been, or wishing we could undo a previous choice that we made. In other words, the sort of the woulda, shoulda, coulda that we all talk about. And of course, we all have multiple regrets, sometimes more than we even acknowledge or recognize. Does this sound okay, by the way? Okay. Uh, and, and we have them both for choices made and choices not made. So either we regret things we've done or regret things that we should have done, or we regret things that were done to us and we didn't respond differently. So it's really about opportunities that are foregone or paths not taken uh, in either case. And if we begin to look inward and as part of our practice, I think we will see that we spend an awful lot of time dwelling on them. They may be simple regrets like, oh, I should have fixed something different for lunch today or some major regret about something I did years and years ago. Uh, but the list can just go on and on, and we just really end up like a dog chasing our tail sometime with the same regrets just around and around and around. Uh, and, and most of us, and certainly it's true for myself, just lost count many, many years ago with how many regrets that we've accumulated. And I think very often there's an element of clinging. You know, we always talk about clinging as the, uh, one of the Four Noble Truths, uh, and very often... Regrets are about clinging to the past of what we should have done or what we shouldn't have done. It's holding on to that. And, 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 and it raises the question of, if it's so painful, why do we cling to it? I mean, why do we, we do it? Is it because we're hopeful that um, if we keep reminding ourselves of it, we won't do it again? Uh, I mean, I, I came to think as I was working on the talk that uh, once we've sort of decided, okay, I regret having done this, I don't intend to do it again, there's really not much extra mileage in continuing to remind myself of that. You know, if the lesson has been learned, then is it not time to move on? Uh, and I'm sure there are evolutionary reasons for why regret is, is so sort of hardwired into the human brain to the extent that that, that tendency is. Um, and it, perhaps it has to do with that notion that um, we often hear about of, of the, uh, Velcro for the negative and Teflon for the positive. Um, that that's part of how we deal with with those kinds of feelings. But but very often, if you sit with regret, you'll see that it also involves an element of elements of shame. It also involves elements of um, uh, uh, you know deep sadness sometimes, remorse. Uh, it can be multifaceted. It's it's often carries with it a lot of other a lot of other emotions. It, it occurred to me that. The older we get, the more we accumulate regrets. And at some point, you know, you know, now at my age, I'll be, I'll be 70 in January. I think I have enough for, 
probably two lifetimes, but uh, we just accumulate them over a lifetime and carry them around with us. So other than it being a self-correcting mechanism, which I think it can be, and it can be useful in that way, you know, what, what's the point of continuing to dwell on them, think about them, you know, evoke them, uh, going over them and over them? And, and I would argue there's probably not a whole lot of point in any of that, and yet it's a strong tendency that we all seem to have. There's also very often a, a component of blame and regret, blaming ourselves, blaming others as we examine our regrets. So again, just more, more baggage. And they, regrets tend to isolate us. We don't particularly like to share them. We often feel embarrassed of them or ashamed of them. So we carry around a lot of regrets that we don't, we don't necessarily share. And I think that the Catholics decided a long time ago that confession was one way to unload them. Uh, not being a Catholic, I can't speak to that from personal experience. But I, I love the tradition in the, in the Jewish faith of Yom Kippur of throwing your sins or throwing your regrets into the river. You go down in the morning, and, um, and we lived in a Jewish community for some years in New Jersey, and would see folks on, on that particular day walking to the river to, to throw in their sins and regrets. So it really does take radical acceptance, a term that I think Tara Brock coined, to, to face our regrets, to really, as they say in the Zen tradition, to say yes to them. You know, they talk about in the Zen tradition, say yes to whatever comes up, in, including our regrets. And, and begin to notice those particular phrases that signal a regret, things like, if only, or what if, or I should have, or I should not have or they should not have. I mean, there's all these phrases that can tell us we're getting into that kind of territory. We're getting into that regret, uh, regretting mode. So if you think about it, just uh, you know, imagine, are you open to really looking at them, really facing them, really confronting them, possibly even letting them go? I mean, that's, I think, the question for tonight is, are we really willing to do that in a fiercely, in a fierce way, in a sort of way of radically accepting them and then just setting them down, setting them aside? Or do we just want to continue to flagellate ourselves and, and keep going over them again and again? You know, one of, the, one of the things that occurred to me was sometimes I think holding on to regrets is a way of our taking the, the moral high ground. It's as if saying, well, you know, I sh probably shouldn't have done that or I should have done that, but I'm, I'm the better person for having done that. And it didn't turn out well for me, but by golly, you know, I'm a better person for having tried to do that, this, this or that or that, the other. But again, um, I was just sort of grasping for reasons why we do this so persistently and so repeatedly. So, can we begin to examine our regrets without harsh judgment? I mean, because then we're just adding insult to injury. Not only am I having the regrets, I'm really upset with myself for having the regrets. Or instead, can we just sort of look at them as another one of life's experiences, just face them without judgment? And, and looking at them fully, looking at them skillfully in terms of uh, how the Buddha talked about doing things skillfully and with 
really mindful discernment, really looking at them saying, golly, what is this and why am I holding on to it and, and what does this say about, about where I am on the path? This is from the Dalai Lama when asked about regret in his own life. He said, quote, it's still there, but even though that feeling of regret is still there, it isn't associated with a feeling of heaviness or a quality of pulling me back. It's still there, but even though that feeling of regret is still there, it isn't associated with a feeling of heaviness or quality of pulling me back. And as we so often talk about, he's really changed his relationship with regret. He's really, he's really not gotten rid of it, but he's really changed his relationship with his regrets. And that's really our task, I think. Can we change, as we so often talk here about changing our relationship with any number of aspects of our life, is regret another one in which we can change the nature of the relationship? As I was reflecting uh, in writing the talk on, on my own relationship with regret, it became so clear to me as I thought about it that the time and the energy that I spend thinking about regrets or rehearsing regrets is the time that I'm not in the present moment. Regrets take us out of the present moment because we're dwelling on the past, we're thinking about what should have happened, what could have happened, we're anticipating the future so that we don't repeat it again, but we're not in the present moment. So it becomes a real impediment to our practice to really staying present. And the more I thought about it, it was actually a little unsettling because the more I thought about it, it became so clear that often when I'm not in the moment, I'm caught up in, so if I'm not planning something like what to cook for dinner, uh, I'm probably in some kind of regret, small, medium, large, whatever, uh, but could be any number of things. But I'm not, I'm not here right now. So we can't be fully present in the moment when we're thinking about regrets. We cannot be fully present when we're feeling the guilt or the shame or whatever that accompanies the regret. You know, we're doing, we're doing yesterday's business. We're doing old stuff. Or we're anticipating trying to make change the future. And it goes without saying that we can't undo any, any of these things that we've done. Uh, so to dwell on them only results in more suffering. I mean, I can go over it and over it, feel the guilt, feel the regret, but it doesn't change it. It, it can't change it. You know, it's that, that um, uh, idea of, of um, what is it, Jack Cornfield says, something to the effect of um, trying to, hoping for a better past or something. You know, work with, I'm, I'm going to, I wrote it down somewhere, but you, you get the idea. It's, it's having to do with uh, uh, the fact that we can't change what's already transpired. So I, I would suggest that the first step in, in working on regret is to really recognize how tangled up we get. We get all knotted up in it. Uh, it, 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 it if I'm interacting with someone, it, it takes me out of that interaction. I'm not really fully present with that, what I need to be doing. Um, if I'm trying to sit and I'm, the regrets are just coming through, instead of uh, just watching them pass through without getting caught up in the narrative, very often I get hooked. And then before you know it, instead of just being focused on my breath in the moment, 
I'm off on some tangent with some regret that, of something that happened. And, and again, I think we're often not fully aware that we're doing it. I mean, we're sort of on, uh, on autopilot. We don't stop to bring full awareness to the fact that I'm, I'm really tangled up in this regret right now. I was thinking about it in terms of the Eightfold Path and all the sort of things in which regret would, would impede us. Things like, um, uh, I wrote down right effort, right mindfulness, right thought, right concentration. I mean, any of those regret would be an impediment to achieving any of those um, particular uh, aspects of the Eightfold Path. So it really has to begin with recognizing when we're focused on regret. Right now, am I really caught up in it? And, and I just offered the suggestion this week that just try to pay more attention to it. And I think you'll be surprised at how much time we spend there. Uh, it, it really is a little disconcerting once you start to pay attention to it. You know, it involves cognitive processes. It involves emotions, thought patterns, mental images, um, feelings. I mean, it's, 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 it's a whole kind of package deal that often comes with it. And we can ask, where in our body are we holding it? You know, stomach, muscles, back, upper, you know, very often go to the body and if you're not clear and see where you might be holding something that ends up having some component of regret to it. So we can begin by labeling it and saying, this is regret or this is what regret feels like. You know, this is here I am again, just again giving ourselves those, those cues to remind ourselves that we've sort of slipped back in there. But always without judgment, not doing it in a way that feels judgmental or punitive, but rather says, okay, I can handle, here we are again, can I hold this more lightly? Can I manage this more skillfully? Can I bring some self-compassion to it? Can I you know, bring some self-forgiveness to the fact that not only am I once again lost in regret, but the very thing about which I'm I'm thinking about uh, that I've done or imagined that I've done in the past. I think any of us, a lot of mine I've noticed as I reflected on this week or has been around parenting. Any of us that have kids, I think, can think of a gazillion ways in which we regret this decision or that decision. And, well, I guess because I did this then, this happened there, and it's my fault. And, you know, parenting is the, is the most tyrannical of all experiences when it comes to accumulating regret, I think, at least as I reflected on it. Last time I spoke, I spoke about the tyranny of the ego, and it also occurred to me that sometimes my regret is, is driven by a need to have been right about a past issue, like I'll rehearse it, like I should have said it this way. Or if I'd only said it that way, I could have won that argument. Or, you know, why did I, why did I forget to mention that? So there's that over-identification with the need to be right. Again, the clinging comes into play there. Gosh, if I'd only been more articulate, I, I, you know, I could have, uh, I wouldn't have so many regrets about how that discussion ended up. And, you know, with things so charged these days, not just in Charlottesville, but, but nationally, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity for discussions about which we feel we we didn't quite fully articulate our position.
So the other thing is, can we, can we ask ourselves, if the, is the issue about which I'm now feeling regret still an active issue in my life? Is it one I really need to still be working on? So if I have regret about um, you know, eating too much chocolate, um, is that a wake-up call to, to pay attention to that because maybe there's something there? But if that's, and that's a relatively small category, I would argue, of the type of regrets that we get bogged down in. And if it's not something that we need to be paying current attention to, is it something that we can let go? Can we set it down? Can we lighten our load in terms of carrying it around? Here's the phrase I was trying to remember. I, this is a paraphrase. Dealing productively with regret means giving up any hope of a better past. Uh, with apologies to Jack Cornfield on that. Um, So I think the sort of the, the, the summary point here is that each of our lives, you know, with all its unique joys and sorrows, 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows, can be lived fully only if we fully embrace everything, including our regrets, and face them honestly, head on, and then let them go. You know, it's all ever-changing, it's all impermanent, as, as are the things about which we feel regret. We never fix it, we're never finished, we're never complete, and that includes these regrets that we carry around. So it really is a question of setting an intention to, to face our regrets, to change our relationship with them, as the Dalai Lama described. This is from uh, Tanisro Bhikkhu, who's a, you may know, a Buddhist monk and teacher in the Theravadan tradition. He says, quote, one of the Buddha's most penetrating discoveries is that our intentions are the main factors shaping our lives and that they can be mastered as a skill. If we subject them to the same qualities of mindfulness, persistence, and discernment involved in developing any skill, we can perfect them to the point where they will lead to no regrets or damaging results in any given situation. Ultimately, they can lead us to the truest possible happiness. So he's talking about as we, as we change the way we live, we, the way I read that was we, begin, we sort of cease to accumulate as many regrets. We not only are letting go of some that we carry, we're also not necessarily creating new ones or developing new difficulties. I've spoken in the past uh, about my... Uh, complicated relationship with my father. He died in 2008. He'd actually be 99 in January if he were living. But um, after his death, I was just consumed with regrets about my relationship with him. Um, and this really complicated my efforts to grieve that loss. It was just, it was just a mess. And um, he, was, he was someone who was a difficult person in my life. I guess I was probably a difficult person in his life. We didn't really uh, sort of get each other. Uh, I blamed him a lot for suffering in my life. I was chronically angry with him. I avoided him. I withdrew it. You know, I didn't want to have much to do with him. And none of that was really resolved when he died. So I had regrets and tremendous guilt about the past and the fact that any opportunity now to, to change it was gone, uh, at least as far as uh, with him personally. So this went on and on. And about a year after he died, uh, I was on retreat 
and had a teacher meeting and talked to the teacher at the time about my struggle, about the weight of my regret, about the difficulty, uh, just how hopeless I felt about ever being able to change this and how, the, how it was continuing to be dogged by all these regrets. And the instruction was to practice loving kindness every day toward him, him and toward myself. And I, I've spoken about this in other contexts, but this was another way in which the instruction was to practice metta or loving kindness. And, and in addition to practice compassion, karuna toward him and toward the suffering in his life, which had resulted in how he and I, partly in how he and I interacted. He'd suffered in many ways greatly in his own life. Um, so I was to include that in my daily sit, and I, I do a gratitude practice. Then I would, I added the loving kindness toward him, toward myself, and then the compassion practice toward him. And then compassion practice toward myself with regard to my guilt about my relationship with him and about my, uh, my, um, all my regrets about how we had not gotten along over the years. And, and this was really the prescription I was given if I was ever going to be able to lay this down and move beyond it. And I have to say, and you perhaps heard me talk about this in the past, that over time, it absolutely it changed my internal relationship with him, whatever representation of him that I'd carried around even after his death changed. I, my, I felt that my load on this issue really lightened, and I, and I had a real experience of freedom. I mean, it, it is, I, I can tell you it is absolutely amazing, the power of that when you do it. Um, and and, and when, when the instruction was given initially, uh, as you may have heard me say in the past, I was skeptical. I thought, well, I'll try this, but I wasn't very hopeful that it was going to matter. But it mattered a great deal. And it mattered in so many other ways. It made me a better father to my two boys because I was no longer operating from that same unconscious script that I'd been reenacting with him all those years. Um, it, it really, again, was, a, was a, an example of how the Dharma really can... can um, change our lives in, in, in ways that are, I'm not sure anything else could. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that and, and grateful for, the, and, and I would suggest to you that if you're stuck on a relationship, that you might want to try that same prescription. Um, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at the kind of freedom that you may be able to, to have uh, with that practice. I want to spend um, the remaining time and, and have us do a reflection. Um, so if you would just find a partner, we're going to do this in twos. Um, and what I'm going to ask you to do with each other is pick a regret, not anything too difficult. And you don't need to share the specific regret with your partner, but I want you to just share in general how you handle regrets. Uh, each person will speak for six or so minutes. Uh, I'll ring the bell to start and then ring the ring it to change. Um, the the sheet there will will, will tell you uh, in a little more detail if you just look that over. But um, I, what I want you to look for is um, in what form does the does the regret come? Does it come as guilt, shame in your body? Where do you feel it? Is there a clear trigger? Uh, does it take the form of a memory, a fantasy, and a, a need to act? Do you see a pattern and so forth? 
So if you just take a minute and examine the, the, instruct, the uh, instructions there, um, I'll ring the bell in a moment and ask each of you to, one of you to decide who will go first. Um, notice phrases like, if only, what if, I should have. Um, and then toward the end of your talk, just imagine if you could bring some compassion and loving kindness to it. Okay, so if the first person would begin. So just take a minute to wrap up with your partner. Thank your partner. And we'll come back together. So anybody want a comment or a question? Observations? Yes, Linda. Yes, there, um, and I would encourage you just to go, um, I'll speak to it, but go, just Google it when you get home, loving kindness, or metta is the Pali word, M-E-T-T-A. Um, and, and it's a practice of offering, um, uh, you know, Offering that others be free from suffering, be free from um, difficulty, challenge. May they be filled with loving kindness. May they be filled with goodness. Um, so it's, that's, that's the basic nature of the practice. And there are a number of different phrases that one can use. Uh, I have ones that I've just sort of developed or borrowed over the years. But, but there's an awful lot of, of good information on the Internet uh, if you want specific ideas about how to use it. Likewise, with a compassion practice, either toward others or self-compassion, there's a lot of good information there, too. And, and I, I like to use them together. I, I think it's, they're very powerful when used together. No, that's a very good point. Thank you for that. Yes. You know, there are, I, I, I've had them, presumably we've all had them, regrets that are so strong that there's actually a bodily sensation. It's almost like an electric charge where you just feel that shock of, oh, my gosh, did I really do that or you know, did I really allow that to happen? And uh, it, it's a powerful thing in our lives. Any thoughts about any of that, working with your partner, anything come up that other folks wanted to mention? <clears throat> yes, Julie. And does remorse for you feel easier to set down or let go of than regret? Thank you for your time and attention.